Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. Uh, we talk about how writing works, how writers work, and how the best writers risk being strange. And I'm talking to Lennon Redchenka again uh, about grants and specifically about the support materials that you would include when you submit a grant. So again, I'm talking specifically in the context of Canadian grants um, at the federal, provincial, and municipal levels, you know, government arts grants, primarily to support writers, primarily to do, you know, book length projects, though not exclusively. Um, but a lot of what we talk about here is going to be relevant to you if you are uh, applying for a grant that is, you know, not one of these grants we're discussing precisely. All grants, over the most part, grants have similar structures. Almost all of them are going to want, for example, support material. Whether you're in the U.S. or another country, um, even if you have a different grant system, you know the U.S. doesn't really have the same kind of grant system. But there are grants available from other places, you know, non-Canadian government organizations. Um, they'll all want some variation of this, almost certainly. And uh, one of the largest parts of these grants applications is always support materials. So if you're not a writer and you're looking at uh, to do an arts, put in an arts application, or an arts grant application in some other field. Similarly, um, it will require typically you to provide support materials, even though though they may be of a different type. And so, one of the things we'll get into is actually, as a writer, you do have options that are not um, text based in terms of the support materials you provide. Now, um, I want to run down a couple of the core topics here. Uh, but let's just start Lennon with talking a little bit about uh, what support materials are and what their purpose is. So fundamentally, um, uh, when you apply as an artist, in this case, we're talking about writers, but when you apply as an artist to create an artwork, in this case, we're typically talking about book manuscripts, although it don't, or, or you know, collections or stories or maybe a handful of poems in a series or stories or whatever. Typically we're talking book length projects, but you know, whatever you provide, you're, you're doing as an artist, you're trying to propose to create an artwork. And so the part of assessing that profile, uh, part of assessing your you know, application uh, is when they approved your profile to apply they looked at your resume and, and so on and so forth. They want you to be a professional artist, but the granting organizations qualify and class you as a professional artist um, in various ways. And if you are a professional artist, then they will, in their eyes, um, which is another topic for another day. But if you're a professional artist in their eyes, they will approve your profile. They will approve your ability to apply for a grant. Now, when you're applying for the grant, you may think that job is done, but you, it is not done. <laughs> you are now proving your professionalism, which has been vetted. You've been vetted by the arts organization itself, but the arts organization, you have to remember, it, it, this is a very confusing point for many people. The arts organization you're applying to, let's say the Canada Council for the Arts, um, is the application we're putting in, okay? Let's say I'm applying to write a novel draft. Uh, you know, I'm going to write a novel called uh, The Crow Murders. That's a novel I got a grant from the Canada Council to write. Um, if I'm applying to the Canada Council with The Crow Murders, um, the Canada Council vets my profile, looks at my resume and all my history and determines that in their eyes, I am a professional, established artist. And they grant me the ability to apply, you know, to do this project. But even though I'm applying to that granting organization, they do not determine whether or not I get the grant. And that is a real misconception people have. There is a jury that the council puts together and that jury is of independent outside artists. The idea is that it's a jury of your peers, although it may or may not precisely be your peers. Um, but the idea is it's a jury of your peers. So they'll go out and find artists like you, Lyndon, or, you know, like, you know, someone, they'll go get Margaret Atwood and they'll haul her in a room 
and they'll get those jury members together and they will make the decision about how fundable you feel they feel you are like do they think this is a good project on terms of the criteria and so on that jury as part of your application is going to look at the support material that you provide and that jury is going to eventually score you uh, partially based on the support material. Now, a lot of the score actually comes from that support material. This is an important thing to understand because in most uh, instances, and with the Canada Council, create the grants where we're you know doing a, a creative project like writing a draft of a book. Um, in that particular example, 50% of the score you get is based on your support materials, or, or sorry, based on the artistic merit of the project. And a lot of the artistic merit uh, is determined in the eyes of the jury by the support materials, the quality of the support materials. Now, not all of it, some of the artistic merit is determined by the project description. Uh, uh, and then also the support materials don't just provide proof of artistic merit, that this is there's something here, uh, artistically speaking, uh, but also uh, they provide uh, an example of the feasibility, another of the large scores you're getting uh, with these grants, typically with this kind of council example, it's a 20%, uh, 20% of that score is also feasibility. Can you do the project that you are proposing to do? So if you're planning to write a novel, uh, ideally in the support materials, they want to see uh, part of the novel that you've already drafted uh, to determine, you know, how good this sort of is uh, or, and, or uh, they want to see examples of past uh, work similar to uh, your sort of concepts. If you've written a novel before or you've written some sort of fiction, they want to see that as potentially potential evidence that you could write this novel uh, and you could do it in an artistic fashion and so on. So we'll get a little bit into the strategization of that all. But the point is, uh, handily between you know 50 to 70% of your scoring is going to be very closely tied to how impressive the support materials are. But, and this is the real thing to really wrap your head around. Although that is true, the jury is explicitly instructed usually to spend very little time reviewing those support materials. So the county council tells the jury to spend 10 minutes looking at your support materials. Now, as a juror, I mean, I've been on juries before, as a juror, you can spend as little or as much time as you want. No one's policing you. You might spend half an hour looking at an application. You might spend five minutes, two minutes looking at an application. Uh, but what you're told is 10 minutes. And so as a sort of weird side note here, when all these grants went online, uh, which they, they are now, right? Like if you apply, if I'm in Manitoba here, and if I apply to the Winnipeg Arts Council or the Manitoba Arts Council or the Canada Council for the Arts, I apply digitally through a website, I, so on and so forth. Now, back when I started applying for grants, that was not the case. Uh, you had to, you couldn't even submit grants through email. Uh, you had to print everything and mail it in. And you had to often get it uh, registered mailed and so on and so forth. And so um, when they transitioned it online, that was one sort of move they made, right? Um, another thing, though, they did as recently in the last number of years is they changed their programs. So a lot of them just altered their programs entirely um, and changed, you know, different streams and they organized things differently. Canada Council is the example I'm going to talk about here because I've got a funny sort of story with this. Um, so the, when the Canada Council changed uh, their system on to go online uh, and they changed their guidelines uh, shortly thereafter around the same time they changed all the text uh, and how the form works like they added parts of the form that didn't used to be there uh, and so on and so forth now the thing that was the most normal still was uh, the submission of supports materials but <laughs> I remember I had to call them. So if you go to the county council website right now and you look at the application form, uh, what it says uh, specifically is uh, that, you know, for the county council support materials, this is why, what does it say, Lennon? It's between 10 and 20 pages. Yes, for written works, uh, for a writing project, you have to include a writing sample from the current work 
or previously published work that is between 10 and 20 pages. And then it lists the document sure. format. that. It so the reason that it says that is because I phoned them and told them what they had put on the site made no sense because they had said that you should send 10 minutes of printed work. And I was, so I called them up and I was like, guys, like, what do you mean by 10 minutes of printed work? Like, what does that mean? And they had no answer. And so I, you know, had a discussion with them and, you know, they changed these guidelines to make sense. But if you look elsewhere in the guidelines, you'll see that 10 minutes is reflected. What they mean is that even if you send 20 pages, they will instruct the jury to stop reading around the 10 minute mark. So they may not read all those 20, 10 or 20 pages. That is an important thing to understand because I, I, you know, again, you should be following their guidelines, which is an important point. Uh, but there's sort of a way you have to hack the guidelines a little bit uh, because the thing you really need to understand is like 10 to 20 pages means um, they want to receive minimally 10 pages maximally 20 pages of, you know, item of support material. Um, but uh, they may not read all that. Uh, and so you really have to strategize what is upfront in those 10 pages. You may not, you know, feel, you may, you know, feel like it makes sense, for example, to send the first 10 pages of a manuscript draft, it may not make sense uh, because that opening may not be uh, where it needs to be. Whereas a later part of the manuscript uh, is maybe a better place to start the reader. Because again, uh, there's a couple of things to consider here, but one thing to consider and the, what it really ultimately boils down to uh, when you're putting these grant applications is you have to uh, make that jury member uh, see your vision for the project. And you have to really make them feel in a particular way. You have to make the jury members feel like they want to give you money so that they can read the book. You really have to kind of think about it like that. Uh, you need to convince them to you know, say yes, this should be funded and score you high so that they specifically can go, you know, find that book later on in the bookstore. And if they don't fund you, it won't happen. That's sort of the sense you need to get across. And uh, part of that is hooking uh, these people the way that you would, you know, ideally hook a reader or hook an agent or whatever in any submission. I see writers get very lazy with this when they do grant applications. They often understand the idea when they're trying to pitch to a publisher. They understand they need to grab attention. They understand they need to hold attention. They understand if they're sending a 50 page submission, uh, they need to like cliffhanger it, you know, uh, and make the agent or the publisher want to read the rest. People will understand that when they're talking about polished, finished work they're sending off for publication. What they often don't understand is how to submit to these grants because they will think in, about it as, oh, well, it's not polished, finished work. You know, I'm asking for money to polish it and finish it. Therefore, it doesn't need to be uh, quite so impressive and good and polished. I don't need to worry so much about hooking them and so on. That is not true. Uh, it is very much, uh, it is, you need this to be a slick submission, you know, and to be of the highest possible quality, because you have to remember, um, so much rides on whether the jury understands what you're asking them for money for, and why they would want to give the money to you. Like so much of it is about just showing them that you can do this thing uh, that you're proposing to do. And in fact, uh, you're going to do it better than they could possibly imagine. And the support materials really play uh, into that idea where they kind of pair with a project description in many ways as sort of the evidence that uh, what you're talking, well, on one hand, they sort of help you show uh, what you're talking about more clearly. And in another way, they help you kind of um, prove your ability. And so 
there are two, uh, I mean, depending on which um, grant you're submitting for exactly, you'll have typically uh, a number of items you can submit. It's usually three items uh, maximum that you can submit. How they define an item will differ, which we can get into in a second. But one of the, if you can only, if you only send one item, which is usually the minimum, um, if you could, if you only send one item, what you want to send is a sample from the project in process. And a lot of people also misunderstand that they think it's all a catch twenty two. They think, well, you know, uh, I can't ask for money for something I've already done, which is true. Uh, you're only asking for money for something you haven't done. So you can't, for example, ask for money to um, write a draft of a story when you've already written a draft. But at the same time, you need, they want you to, to show them part, you know, sample of the work in progress. So uh, that ships a lot of writers up. What you need to just think about is uh, this thing as a series of stages. So your first stage maybe is you write, you know, 30 pages or 20 pages or something of this manuscript. And just, you know, you write, you write a really strong 20 pages. It doesn't have to be the first 20 pages, which I really want to stress that point. Um, but you write, say, a strong 20 pages, and that's your sort of sample. That's not the draft. And if you've got a draft of, say, 100 pages, let's say you've been writing this thing for a while, you've got about 100 pages, you stop, you find your 10 to 20 pages that you really want to rewrite and polish precisely as a sample. You go into the project, in the project description, you say, you know, I've got 100 pages of this in really rough draft. I'm, uh, and notes, you know, I'm applying to, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do, like the next stage of the project. And the next stage of the project is typically going to be either completing the thing or pol completing and polishing it, you know, and getting it ready for submission and so on. Um, but that um, submission material, like it, it's very important if, if at all possible, for there to be part of the work in progress submitted as one of the items. However, <clears throat> I that in, in, a, in a lot of respects, that is a weak submission if that's all you're doing. Because of course, as we all understand, uh, no matter how polished, something that's not done is not done. And something that is done is better usually, right? Like just broadly speaking. Um, so it's an excellent idea to have a very polished chunk of the project under discussion that you're proposing to complete um, as you know your core or your first or one of your items samples. But if you can couple that with one or two other items of past work that is much more polished, even possibly published, um, that has some sort of similarity or connection. Maybe it's in the same genre, or maybe it's even just the same type of writing, like it's fiction and you're proposing to write fiction, say. Um, and then maybe even a third piece, a third item uh, that perhaps shows your breadth a little bit. That's the sort of strategy I like to do. Like, you know, sample three items. One is a sample uh, of the strongest, like 10 to 20 pages I've got that reads really well together. Uh, and I'll cut it off wherever it makes sense. So I'll cut it at 11 pages rather than give them 20 if it reads better that way. Um, but you know, it, that just sort of is, there's no rule about that other than the rule of staying within the 10, 20 page range. Uh, also remember, they're not giving you a guidelines for formatting on the necessarily, like some of them do and some of them don't. They used to give very strict guidelines for formatting these pages. Now they, for some reason, don't. Um, but you usually want to do something like a standard manuscript format, but you have a little bit of wiggle room is the point. You have a little bit of wiggle room. Usually they don't tend to dictate fonts and spacing and all those things in the same way. So you need to look professional um, and have some way it kind of relates to a standard manuscript format. But you can kind of get away with different things. So one thing I do, a trick I often use, uh, kind of a bit of a hack here, is uh, when I'm submitting an example of past work, I'll go photocopy published pages out of a book 
and I'll scan them. Um, and I'll use like the printed scanned pages. Because uh, it looks really, it just looks more impressive. Like there's a there's a psychological way in which they understand now they're looking at proofs from a book uh, or something. Like I'll pull the proof file and I'll just pull sections out of the PDF that uh, you know for what do my past books say. It just looks like a real book to them now, and uh, you know because I'm copying it out of it rather than you know showing there's a manuscript of the book or or whatever. And that psychological uh, effect is, is very powerful. You need them to really understand um, that you have done something like this before and you can do this thing and you need to, them to really as much as possible be able to see it in their you know, minds. And, on, and the only way to do that is on the paper because as you have pointed out, Lyndon, you have to think about it as Although these are creative people who, you know, often artists themselves, in a weird way, as soon as they walk into the jury room, they have no imagination anymore. Um, you've sort of noted that. Do you want to explain what you mean by that a little bit more? Yeah, of course. And to, to preface this, um, I, I look at the support material section of the grant application as one of the areas where I consider it sort of the easiest way to, to find points in your scoring. Because as a creative, you want to be making things and the support material section is your opportunity to show that you have made things and that you are making things as opposed to the rest of the application, which I would consider to be more academic in its presentation. <clears throat> so when I look at the support material and I talk about the jury's consideration, um, it's, I find that the, this is the, the section where you can most, most strengthen the viability score of your project, which, as you said, is 20%. And when I say that, I, don't, I, I treat it as though the, the jury doesn't have an imagination. And I actually think that I got, on some level, got this line from our friend Gregory, who did a, um, an interview with an editor at DC Comics. And the DC Comics people themselves said, we're editors, we don't have an imagination. You need to show it to us. And so when I think of the support material section, it's really important if you can to show them the project that you're working on in some way, because then they can visualize it um, more easily than how you've described it in your product project description. Um, it's important to have some previous work, as you said, some finished work, if you have it, because then you're also showing where your uh, current project can be taken to or the level that it can be taken to. And as you said, I think the, the range, if you can show some range in your work, it helps with that also. But the important part, when I think of the scoring section of like the, the scoring assessment of this section is uh, by showing the work, you take their imagination out of it and you put it in front of their eyes, which is a lot, it's a lot easier for someone to give you points based on what they can see rather than what they can imagine. Yeah. And you, cause you get into a weird game. Like, of course, in reality, they do have imaginations and they can envision it, but the, the weird uh, psychological effect that happens when they kind of step into a jury room is, uh, you know, and I've seen this when I've been on jurors, juries, like hearing other people talk about it. Uh, what they'll do is they will read your proposal and they will think to themselves, okay, well, I see what this person is doing, but do they really see it? They'll second guess, like, even if they see it, they'll kind of wonder if you see it as clearly as they see it. And they'll start to think of all the problems and they'll start to wonder, like, have you anticipated those problems? Right. And so uh, almost all the time when you go back and you get uh, feedback from the jury, uh, when that's possible, sometimes it is, sometimes it is. It's almost always what the jury has done is they've psyched themselves out of it uh, by thinking that you didn't think about something that you did think about. So they'll say something like, well, you know, uh, I don't know if he really realizes that September 2001 is when the 9-11 attacks happened and his novel set in 2001, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, unless you really are clear even if they get it, they'll kind of wonder if you get it, 
<laughs> even though you've told them about it and that's why they get it. Like you'll get in this weird game where they'll, because th- what they're doing is they're trying to, at a certain point, they're trying to stack you against other people and eliminate you uh, in their consideration. Now, in reality, that's not how the jury works because they don't have to eliminate anyone. They're just scoring you. Uh, but in their heads, uh, it, it comes down often to like, well, do I score this above this or this above that? Now, that's not how they're supposed to think, but that's how they just naturally will think. That's how humans think. Um, um, the, the, it's not precisely the process, but that's just what happens. And so what you get into a little bit with it, though, is uh, exactly what you said. Like, It really has to be visually clear to them. And I would even go so far as to say that um, a thing that a strategy and a technique that I really like uh, that is I don't see people using as much as I think they should is to actually talk in the project description specifically about the support materials. It's like I will say in the project description, you know, if you look at page, you know, three of the support materials, you will see that I did this for this reason. It's the kind of thing that I'm going to do more of, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I'll really take, um, or I remember when I put in for the eye collector, uh, later when I was doing the second round of grants and I put in for the eye collector, we were showing a lot of pages and you and I got a kind of cool trick together that we could talk about in a minute. Um, but I was showing a bunch of pages and I was, you know, I would literally in the project description say, you know, if you look on this page, uh, you'll see, you know, this sort of thing. But if you look on this other page, you'll see this other sort of thing. Notice the range, <laughs> right? Like I would literally like point to parts of the support materials, because again, you got to think in mind of like, they've been told not to spend too much time on these support materials. So the more you can point them to precise things in the project description of like, hey, I want to do this. I've tried, you know, some, I've done some uh, drafting. It seems to be working. If you look at page three, you'll see that it's working. You know, like the more you can kind of point and guide uh, them. And and as you say, really paint the picture for them and show it to them, uh, the better. Yeah. The way I look at this is, and maybe I'm just beating a dead horse at this point. um, I'd hate to call a, a section of an application like this, your free points section. But when I think of support materials, the support materials are, is the test drive of the car. I can spend an hour describing a car to you, but until you actually get into it and give it a spin, you're not, it's not going to do anything. That's or a very that good actual point. drive is going to be what sells you on the actual car. And so the, the support materials are this understated, uh, should not be mailed in, chance to prove yourself and sort of prove all the other parts of your application that you've been building up to at this point, because the support materials are the end of the application. So there's two great points that you bring up that I want to just talk about briefly. So one is um, that car metaphor is perfect. And there's actually a saying in sales uh, that relates to cars, uh, which is the feel of the wheel makes the deal. You know, the feel of the wheel makes the deal. It's very much uh, true and in many ways what you're doing in this grant application is a sales job like you're trying to sell the jury on your vision for this project um, just like you're later going to have to sell a publisher on your vision for this project maybe or, or sell a reader on your vision for this project right like so even if you don't get grants like i say uh, always it's always worth putting in them in i think because even if you never get one it helps you just solidify your uh your, your idea and how to talk about your idea in a way that makes sense to another person. So often as writers, we just have it all in our heads and we can't, and it's just the hard work is translating it to another person. Um, and it is hard work. And so, as you say, a lot of people will just mail it in uh, or phone it in as it were with the support materials um, because they will think about them like, Oh, well, you know, it just shows that I can write. It's like, but, but, you know, that's not what it's about. I've seen Giller, prized winning authors not get grants uh, because they have submitted past work that won the Giller prize as their support material. And there's no like quality bar that they're not reaching, but the jury couldn't see what their plan was because they didn't have a draft of the new material or it just wasn't up to like, they just didn't see it there. You know, it's like, you know, I've been in weird positions of like being like, well, obviously we should give this, you know what I mean? Like, 
you know what I mean? Like, like I, I've just seen it at different levels of, you know, especially when you're on the Canada Council jury stuff, like especially when you're dealing with Canada Council grants, like, you know, you got a whole country spanning there. Any number of per- people could be in this grant because they're all just throwing you in a pot. Like I had an unfortunate thing earlier in my career where I published a bunch of books really fast. And so all of a sudden they jumped me up to being an established artist, but I, you know, in many ways I wasn't on paper, I was an established artist, but in reality, I was an emerging artist. And so all of a sudden, you know, I'm putting in grants, uh, in competition with people like, you know, if Michael and wants a grant and I want a grant the same year, uh, that's, you know, then I'm against Michael and Like that was sort of, but I'd done almost nothing. I'd been publishing for less than three years. Uh, and so like, but I could have gotten a grant instead of Michael Ndachi easily if they just didn't see his vision and they saw mine instead. You know, that didn't happen, but you know, it could have. Have you ever gotten a grant without including support materials from the project you're proposing? I haven't. I've tried mm, and I haven't. I'm trying to think if I have. Uh, yes. But that was because of a very specific um, instance uh, where it was to write a screenplay. And I had, um, I just had other, screenplays are not as, um, they're not literary documents. And so I just tried to really, you know, focus on more literary documents as my support material, if that makes sense. There's nothing worse reading than a screenplay or a comic script. Yeah, and the, the so I just I minimized it as much as possible. I showed like a, I showed an the, example of a produced script uh, uh-huh. that, and then I, sh- I or I gave the film rather, rather than the script uh, for past work, and then I showed them examples of other types of writing. Um, but it was you know, and I gave them a treatment of the. Um, so in, I gave them a treatment of the story rather than actual script work. But it was still like, you know, I, I laid out this. Basically, I used the um, support material section to just write more project description and tr- kind of trick them in that way. Okay. So there was some support material related to the project. It related the to reason it, I asked it, Yeah, it was basically another project description. Yeah. Because one of the notes that I have here that I had written down in preparation for this conversation was to use what you have um, if you don't have the support materials from the, the project at hand. But as I, as I think about it here with the amount of competition that you're going to face every round of every round of grant applications, um, I, I think it would be hard to argue that the applications that don't include support materials from the project being applied to are stronger than the pro- the applications that include the work or that show that work has been started already. Here's the thing. Now, it is entirely possible and feasible for you to get a grant and not show anything from the project in progress. So it happens a lot, for example, in um, other disciplines where performance matters more um, uh, than, say, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, writing a script or something. Like their creative work is maybe more a performance art-based or something. Um, but, uh, or, or, you know, visual art is often a bit more flexible in that way. The hard thing, though, about submitting a grant with no support materials that are directly tied to the project is that you just, um, it doesn't seem real. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we all know those people yes, who I talk think... about things and don't do them. And there's a way in which you're playing into that, whether you like it or not, when you're talk, when you're trying to describe this big project you have, but you don't even have one page to show them. You don't have 10 pages. And I, and I think that goes back to the viability section of the grant application. Like this really is your opportunity to, prove that you're capable of finishing the project, which is a huge part of 
the, the grants that are awarded because the granting bodies don't want to give money to people who aren't going to finish the project that they've, they've said they're going to do. But, but to refute my point, though, for a second, uh, I do know I have a friend who got a Canada Council grant um, and I think also Manitoba Council grant for a, sim, for a project where they showed nothing from the project in progress. But that was because the project was really specifically to write poems in response to like these surveys that they had done. So they had to do these, they had to basically do a bunch of surveys and get, you know, instructions from people on how to write particular poems and what to write the poems about. Um, and then they could write the poem. So they, there was no way for them to start the project uh, and show a sample exactly. Like what they did though, of course, was they showed a sample of their past work and they say, were like, hey, you know, here's a poem I wrote about X. You know, I'll write in this style. I'll write in about these sorts of things maybe. But, you know, what I actually do will be determined by the community in this particular way. Um, and I'll, you know, in some ways, what their, their poetic project was a community service project. Um, so you could have a project like that, right? You could very easily have a project where um, it's not possible to really draft uh, material in advance, but I would suggest even if you do have that, you should draft material in advance and just say that it's test material that shows what kind of thing you're going to do. You won't use it. Once again, in that situation, you're taking the imagination, imag uh, an imaginative aspect out of the equation by telling and showing the jury exactly what they're going, what you're, they're going to see from you. Um, you sort of take the guesswork out of whether or not you're going to finish it. To some degree. Yeah. Like, and, and that's a lot of it, right? A lot of it's taking guesswork out of it. They need to just be able to see what you're doing. And it doesn't mean you're going to get a grant if they can do that, but like at least now they can see it and they can score it. You know, you got to think about it like from the point of view of the jury, um, it just, it, it's, it just really easily pokes holes in feasibility. If you can't even come up with a sample, um, even a rough, bad one, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't suggest doing that, but you know, it, it's easy to, for them to poke holes in the idea or not see the idea if, if they just can't look at it and it's hard for them to believe it. Like there's a lot, just a way in which, you know, you kind of have to make them believe it in their hearts. Um, and at the same time, um, you need to inspire them to want to see it in fuller reality. Um, so it just is your best, th that support material really is your best tool in many respects. Uh, and so it's, you know, it depends on the project, but it really helps uh, if you have at least one uh, chunk, or one item, if not, you know, I, I've done grants where I just felt I had a really strong project and I just submitted three items that were all, you know, just continuing support material, um, you know, and, and like, so with the eye collector, that's kind of what I did at a certain point in the second round, I had enough pages. I just showed them all the pages I could. Now from a practical perspective, just so that we're being clear about support material, there are typically, there are a number of different formats that you can submit. The first thing we've been talking about are pages of print or manuscripts um, that just include text. The, the second form that you can submit as support material are digital images. So if you are submitting a photographer, a photography project, for example, or a comics project, and we'll get into this in a moment also, that's where you would, that would be considered, digital images would be comics pages. Um, then of course, you can also submit video files or you can submit audio files and you can see how all of these would sort of play into the different sort of creation grant applications. Uh, now for a number of the granting bodies uh, in Manitoba or in Winnipeg, say the, the Winnipeg Arts Council or the Manitoba Arts Council, they are going to ask for what are called items. Uh, and items are a collection of these formats. So for the Winnipeg Arts Council, one item may consist of 10 pages of print um, or five digital images or one audio file. And the Winnipeg Arts Council is gonna let you submit three of these items. So when you combine those, that is a total of you know, 30 pages of print or 15 digital images or three files, or you can mix and match those as much as you want. 
And the Manitoba Arts Council has a, this has the same concept, but they'll let you, uh, they, they'll have different numbers for uh, those formats in those items. So in their case, they'll, they have five digital images or 15 pages of text, or they want up to a four minute video um, or, or audio sample. Uh, so let's just talk about the, the different ways that you can combine these sorts of items, to sort of maximize the support materials that you're submitting for. So the thing that you really have to, there's a couple of things. One is that you have to really pay close attention to the specific letter of the law in the sense of what are they asking for? And they may be asking for particular file sizes. They may be asking for particular file types. The county council wants you to name files in a particular naming convention. You have to be very precise and very specific about giving them exactly what they're asking for. At the same time, it's worth understanding that they have not thought of everything. And you have this opportunity to kind of hack the submission process a little bit. So for example, um, one thing that none of these granting bodies has really figured out yet is how to handle graphic novel and comic samples. Do they consider it text? Do they consider it images? Um, they do not know. And so, uh, and if you ask them, they will give you different answers depending on who you're asking when. Uh, now there's an opportunity there. Uh, so within the letter of the law, I've done it in different ways, depending on what I had available to show. So in the early days of trying to uh, put in grants to the eye collector, I only had uh, you know, some handful of just disconnected images. And so I would submit, you know, a bunch of written materials and then I would submit one, you know, item of images, right? So I had, you know, I don't even know if I had five images to show them at that time. Um, later on, when I had, I, I ended up, you know, buy, spending my own money uh, and buying some images and uh, like buying pages. And I got some sequential pages. So I had, I think, six pages at that point. So again, now I got six pages. <laughs> I don't have five. Um, and that becomes a weird problem. So what I did was I got once one of them was a two page spread. I had that put together as a single image. Now my six pages are actually five images. So I can submit them all as six you know, pages as one item of five images. Um, later on, you know, uh, I had, you know, about, uh, later on when I had more like, I had two issues worth. So I have 44 pages as two issues roughly, right? So at that point, now I don't want to submit images anymore. I started submitting it as text pages. I said, well, this is from a graphic novel. And so it's under 45 pages total. So that's three images, uh, or, or sorry, three items for the Manitoba Arts Council, 45 pages. So I submitted, you know, 44 pages. Uh, you know, if I recall correctly, at one point, I did a couple different grants. I remember for a different grant, though, there was, uh, there were the math, which just wasn't lining how we wanted, because I want to show full issues as much as possible, right? Because um, you want to see beginning, middle, end. Um, that's just best sells the idea. And uh, so uh, I remember you and I at one point, we we're trying to just figuring out a bunch of things. You and I hit on the idea of uh, what if we submit images, but we submit two page spreads. So like <laughs> it's left and right. So they're not really the same image, but we could just make them one image. Um, and it kind of is truer to how you would see the thing in a comic anyway. So we, we all of a sudden like figured out how to double the amount of images we could show. Uh, so even though they're asking five, we could show them 10 pages um, easily, you know, uh, and it's, you know, perfectly legitimate uh, again, assuming, cause they're not telling you like how wide the image has to be or anything. They're just telling you how, what the file size is. Um, and there, people are usually looking at it on screens. That's the other thing to understand nowadays is I was surprised by this when I started serving on juries, uh, recently. Um, so it used to be, of course, you know, you'd get in a room that hands you a bunch of papers. Now they hand you an iPad. Uh, sometimes they even send it to you like two weeks in advance or something. Like I remember uh, being on this jury where they mailed an iPad to my house and all the materials were on the iPad. And so, you know, I'm looking at everything on a screen. So on a screen, you can only, you only need like what 72 DPI or something. You don't need print quality. So your file size can be a lot smaller and so on. Um, you know, they're not printing the stuff out. They're not printing color pages out for you and stuff. So 
you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to kind of do what you, again, whatever you think best gets the idea across and makes them just feel uh, your vision, but is, you know, according to what they want. Well, yeah, for example, one of the, the Canada Council grants that I received, um, I'd written a, I was, it's a gra- for a graphic novel and I'd written a hundred, it was uh, a 100 page script for the book. And the artist and I had produced 20, let's say 30 pages of art at this point um, of those 100 pages. And I was asking for money to finish the remaining 70 pages of the book. I, and I told the, the council in my application, I have a first draft of the script done. I'm asking for money to revise the remainder of this script, letter it, and hire an artist so that he can do the art for these 70 pages or however many pages were, were left. And the Canada Council application allows you to send in 20, up to 25 images, as long as they are JPEG or are JPEG or um, their RGB color and, and none of the images are more than one and a half megabytes. And so what I did was I went into uh, Adobe InDesign, which is a publishing program that I use to output my comic projects. And I laid out the first 50 pages of that project, meaning I laid out the first 30 pages of finished art and then 20 pages of script so that they would be able to see how a comics page um, goes from script to finished art. And I submitted 25 images where they were full page spreads. And the first 30 pages of that were back-to-back pages of art. And the last 20 pages were pages of just typed up script. Um, And I think that that helped them conceptualize how the script would go to, would become a finished page of art. And I submitted that uh, and I, and that project ended up getting funded. But as you said, uh, that's not necessarily what they would have been expecting when they would say only typed up pages or only digital images. But technically what I sent them was 25 JPEGs. So I was within their submission requirements, even if it's something that they weren't considering. Yeah, and you know maybe they'll change those requirements, but right now there's some kind of wiggle room in them. And uh, what I found is that over the years, uh, the granting agencies in Canada have gotten much better at understanding that uh, different people have different processes and different projects are different. And there's more cross-disciplinary tolerance uh, than there used to be. Uh, and so it's and sometimes be frustrating because uh, a lot of the guidelines and how they've structured the programs has been to allow for more cross-disciplinary or interdisciplinary projects. And consequentially, they've left a lot of things vague. Uh, when it would be sometimes nice if they're more precise, but the opportunity of it and the reason they're doing it, they're not doing it accidentally. Like they're often doing it on purpose to allow like a flexibility into their system that didn't used to be there. Um, so, you know, uh, it can be challenging depending on, if you've got a very normal project, sometimes ironically, the, the normal project is hard to fit into the, like to understand what exactly they want to see. Um, whereas a weirder project, there's almost more opportunity to show uh, what you mean. Uh, but you know, it used to be that it was harder to sell a stranger project to their in in their in that idea, sell that idea to them in the manner of speaking. But uh, so you know, overall, they've been getting better and better. Uh, but you still have these interesting moments of wiggle room that they've caught, they've either accidentally or, or purposefully placed into the process. And it's really worth looking closely at it and thinking very fully in your example, again, with, with uh, comics or with um, screenwriting in particular, uh, the thing that writers really need to remember is that a screenplay or a comic script, there are not literary documents. You know, they are not uh, artworks. 
and they do not, uh, on one hand, it's what they want to see. On the other hand, uh, it is not helping them understand your vision. Uh, so at, you really, you know, you, you, you may not have art to show, but you would honestly be better off showing them art uh, that wasn't related to the project, but, you know, alongside a script and say, you know, it'll be kind of like this thing, <laughs> you know, it, it just anything that gets that visual sense of what the final thing will look like across uh, and isn't just words on a page would really help in that scenario. But, you know, what's best is if you can kind of show the translation from one to the other, because, you know, uh, even if uh, they are themselves graphic novelists, um, they, it's still, you know, they know so much how, how, how much relies on the artist in that translation process. And if they're not graphic novelists, they just may completely not understand the process. So, you know, it really depends. It's more and more common for graphic novelists and comic book writers and so on to be involved in these juries and, and applying to grants and so on. Um, but it's still true that comic scripts are terrible to read. The other thing that I try and keep in mind when thinking about support materials is if you have, say, you can send in 15 pages of something, it doesn't necessarily all need to be sequential pages if those sections will best display what you're trying to do in the project. Um, so if you think that the first five pages and the last five pages are really important for showing what you're trying to do, uh, you're able to include those. They don't need to be 10 pages consecutively or 15 pages consecutively. As we start to wrap up here, what other sorts of sort of quick hits and considerations do you think people need to keep in mind when they're preparing or choosing their support material? One of the best things you can do um, is get uh, someone to just look at your project description and, and tell you, does it make sense? And just tell you back to you what your project is. So that's more a project description thing. Um, but a similar thing is true with support material. If you're writing prose, uh, for example, it's very helpful to just give the sample of prose to somebody who doesn't know the project, have them read it, and then just have them tell you what happened. You know, I, that this is one of the, it sounds so stupid, but it, people are often very confused about what happens in stories because the writer is not being as clear as they think. So literally like if you've got a you know 15 page story that you're going to submit as example of the kind of story you're proposing, you want to write 10 more stories, let's say, and here's one story you wrote. Okay. Um, well, uh, have someone read that story, take them out to coffee, give them the story, have them read it in front of you, and then just take the story from them and ask them questions about the story. Like what was the main character's name? What happened? Just have them tell you what they just read and you will be shocked, shocked at how much they get wrong, which is your fault. And it shows that the, uh, it just shows that it isn't as clear as you think, you know, it's a, it's a really excellent exercise to do uh, with projects, descriptions or support materials in particular is just get somebody to literally repeat back to you the stuff they just read and see how much they retained. And what you'll immediately see is where they're getting lost and you need to kind of revise uh, for clarity. Because sure. again, these people aren't reading and rereading it slowly and lovingly. They got 10 minutes. Yes. And um, as a recap, then when we're looking at choosing your support materials, best choice is always from the project, followed by something that's professional and complete. And then if you have to choose a third thing, you choose something that is also professional, but, but is perhaps slightly less related to this project, but can show a range of 
um, your style or the work that you can do. And where possible in the rest of your application, reference your support material so that by the time they are getting in the car or by the time you're, you're pulling open the curtain, what they're seeing is not necessarily a surprise to them. It should meet their expectations. And it depends in some ways what your project is a little bit and how hard it is to envision. Like, I don't tend to bother so much these days with um, showing my range because it's almost a cliche uh, that I have a large range. In fact, the problem that I have is, you know, trying to explain to somebody that I'm doing something so different from what I used to do. Um, and uh, so I tend to focus much more on what I'm, the project and samples from the project. And then some, you know, what's the closest thing that's past work um, as opposed to trying to get the range across. Usually uh, for me, <clears throat> the, the hard sell of it is that I'm, not doing something like I did before, because in many ways, that's a bad decision from a career point of view. And, you know, it's too, uh, I tend to take these large uh, jumps from one thing to another, and I'm very stylistically diverse, um, which is, um, you know, it's good and bad. Um, so for me, you know, it's more about uh, showing them what I'm doing now. Uh, so I tend to really focus on that. Uh, another person might, you know, uh, again, depending on where they're on the project also might have more range, but I would also say, say that <laughs> the other really important value of the support material uh, and, and getting some, the project developed to the point where you have stuff to show as support material is that in that process, you will find out if your idea is garbage because you could, you could actually have an idea that's garbage and not know it until you sit down and start writing. And it's not that, you know, if it sucks, it can't get better. It, you may find if you, after 10 pages that you hate this project and it's, it's just so much better to find that out before you have to do it now, because you're on the hook, you know, to finish it or whatever, or you got to give this money back or, or blah, blah, blah. Like the strength of the project will become clear to you, clearer to you. And the weaknesses of the project will become clearer to you uh, as you put that support material together uh, at an early stage. So it, it really helps uh, again, make the project better by sort of, identifying its issues. And even if you can't solve those problems, you can just, you can even say like, you know, in the project description, like I've, I've had projects where I've said in the project says, you know, when you look at the support material, you'll see that, you know, this thing is not really working. Uh, I think if I do this, it will work. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm trying to, I need, you know, more time to focus on this. Yeah, no, it's agree. not made the best that's strategy, that. but you can do it. And I have done it successfully, but like, you know, well, just being aware of what you're showing them and the guiding them through it and how should they look at it? It's so much about like, how should they, the jury look at this material in light of the project you're proposing and why, you know, and then just to go back to the project description for a minute, you know, why is this thing you need to do right now? Well, I think it's important to remember too that the support material, in, in theory, the support material is going to take you longer to finish than the, the time it takes for you to write the application, or at least in my opinion, it, it generally should. Um, and so it's a giant part of your grant application. And so it's not one that you should be taking lightly or that you should just be mailing in. Um, because while it's the end of the, the actual application, the time commitment for it is generally the largest. Yes. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of feeling like, well, you know, um, the whole reason I'm applying for this grant is because I don't have time to work on this project and I'm trying to get money to buy the time. Um, that is uh, just a bad approach. And there's a lot of reasons it's a bad approach. Um, 
But the main reason is that it, you need to show your investment in this project. And when you get into the world realm of budgets, it often helps to literally show that you have invested money in this project. Um, but putting the budget aside for a second, the support material is sort of where you're showing them that you've invested time. And that because you've yeah, we'll invested in the project, you know, they should. Yeah, we'll talk about budgets in a in a further episode, but I think we've given them enough to think about in terms of putting their support materials together for today. Well, thanks for talking to me again, Grant Slinnett, and uh, keep writing the wrong way.